recording going. This is episode nine. Episode nine of the Chill Guild Thrill. Yeah, that's right. We're not we're not doing uh Welcome to the Chill Guild Thrill. I'm host Killian C eighty three coming live from the chromatic ring. We decided we're not doing that anymore. That's all right. So it is August twenty fifth. This is gonna be a pretty short episode. This isn't even this isn't even like an episode. It's just going to be kind of like a little bit of like a a voice memo update as to where I've been the last 5 years. It's or five, 5 years. Seems like it. 5 days. I think it was 5 days ago roughly was the last episode, episode 8. Anyway, this is episode 9 and uh, my birthday was Friday, August 21st and man, I was going to make an episode on my birthday and then I was even thinking about I was gonna uh, at least get an episode out Sunday or Monday um and now here it is Tuesday and really I was thinking about just waiting until tomorrow but I had things going on tomorrow I don't know if I'd be able to record an episode so just throw this all together uh my birthday was pretty cool you know it was it was pretty cool about as good as you would expect for a 37 year old you know it's like your 37th birthday like, it's just, it's just a random, pointless number at that point, right? It's like late 30s. Ugh. But it was a great day. It was a great day. I took it all pretty much to myself. I didn't hang out with any friends or anything. I uh, had breakfast with my mother, and I uh, ate a good lunch, a good supper, and I uh, I just kind of hung out, relaxed a lot. And, well, I did one uh, thing of, one notable thing I did was, I dived back into reading comics. I uh, I was not what I'd call an avid comics reader, but I was reading comics at least weekly, pretty much daily at one time. And this was like way back in 2009, 2010. I think 2013 was the when I kind of fell off. But uh, I had the Comixology app on my iPhone and you could you could buy your comics digitally. You could get a discount on them. So, I did that a lot to uh, be able to read some classic comics that are hard to get a hold of in physical form. And uh, but I fell off. I started reading the Sandman, Neil Gaiman's Sandman, which is a DC Vertigo title from the early '90s, and it's probably one of the most, like one of one of the all time greatest. American comics to uh, to ever be produced. Um, a lot of people, you know, you know, like a notable work would be The Watchmen. A lot of people consider Alan Moore's The Watchmen as one of the greatest comic pieces of all time. And it's great. I read it. I owned a hardcover uh, special edition at one time. It was like a 12-issue story, I think. And that, that was The Watchmen. Maybe it was more than 12. I mean, either way, I had it. I read it. It's a good. It's a good story. The uh, two thousand nine movie was fairly faithful to it, except for one uh, key scene at the end. They changed because mostly because of budgetary restraints, I would imagine. But uh, we eventually got to see what that key event would have looked like in a flashback scene of the HBO Watchmen series. So that was really neat to see the the thing. And I'll just leave it at that. So there's no spoilers for anybody who isn't familiar with the Watchmen story. So anyway, Sandman was 75 issues. It came out in the early 90s. 
I picked it up sometime in 2009, 2010. I was uh, reading it through the uh, collected uh, softback books that you could get at Barnes and Noble. Um, there was roughly, I don't know, 10 volumes of that. I don't know. That's, that's a really random number, but it was something like six to 10 issues per book and, you know, 75 issues altogether. So there were several softbound books. And since then they've collected them in an omnibus, which is three volumes. It's roughly a thousand pages each. And then there's the absolute editions. And so that's your two options. If you're a hardcore collector, uh, those are the two hardcover versions of Sandman you can get. Uh, after doing some research, I, I'm looking towards absolutes, possibly. It's a more expensive way to go, but it seems like the most definitive way to go. has the best color, best build quality. The pages are larger, and you don't get hardly any gutter loss. Uh, gutter loss is when you take a bunch of comics, you put them into a soft or hardbound book, and gutter loss is where the pages meet in the middle in the crease, you, you know, you can't completely spread a book all the way, so you're missing just a little bit of the image. They call that gutter loss. So with the absolutes, you're going to get less gutter loss. So enough with the nerd talk. I'll just kind of touch on what Sandman's all about. It's uh, Sandman is one of the endless. There's seven of the endless. And the easiest way to explain them would be to compare them, compare them to gods or deities. But as you'll soon come to realize if you actually delve into the story of Sandman, gods are, you know, a dime a dozen. There's many, many gods, uh, many levels to the hierarchy. And the endless, those seven, you would think of them as almost like super gods. Like they actually have power over gods. They are, let's see, the endless is destruction, destiny, dream, death, despair, desire, and delirium. And those are supposed to all be like aspects of, of human nature and of existence and of, you know, like just truth, you know? So there's a lot of abstract and philosophical themes in the series. And it is an extreme, like it, it's just a, a joy to read. And the art also is insanely well done because it comics have just that kind of comic book art to them, if you know what I'm talking about. And I know that's general that's generalizing in any true comic fans out there are probably like, no, what the hell? You know, you know, don't mistake what I'm saying. There's a lot of different styles to the art, but there's just this kind of comic book art that you think of that would be used in a comic book. And then there's art that you would think of not being used in a comic book. And the art that you find in the Sandman is a lot of times the type of art that you wouldn't normally see used in a comic book or that you wouldn't think would be used in a comic book. And it, it's better because of it. Uh, the Sandman is very heavy on mature themes narratively. And so I believe that the art and the artist that Neil Gaiman picked to do the comic with did a lot of justice to the story overall and just the general aesthetic of the Sandman. Uh, it's, it's hard to really say much about Sandman to someone who is not into comics or doesn't really know, 
you know, anything about it or just isn't generally into reading at all. The Sandman is so unlike most any other comics that you would ever read. I, that, that, that is, a, you know, that can't be overstated. The Sandman is acknowledged as high literature in some circles, and I think that some teachers, high school teachers, have brought the Sandman into their curriculum. Uh, so it's a, it's a really, really heady story. And I started reading, like I said, I was reading it, I got about halfway through it, and then I haven't touched it in almost a decade, and then recently picked it back up, and I'm actually just about to start one of the last two arcs. I'm about to start The Kindly Ones, which is the longest arc in the whole 75 issues, and then the follow-up to that is The Wake. So I'm very excited to see where things go, even though earlier today I think I may have came across a pretty major spoiler that in hindsight I, I should have recognized it. it. It pertains to the final scene of the final story of the World's End arc, which is the World's End arc is just amazing. It's basically six issues, and they're all individual stories but there's an overarching theme of all these people from different aspects of reality all converging at the end of the world in this end, in, or in this inn, I-N-N. And it's like a tavern and an inn, and they're all telling stories, and they're waiting for this storm to pass so they can leave. And what's very interesting is, is that you're reading The Sandman, which is a story, and within that story is the world's end, which is a story about these travelers that converge, and each of them tell a story. And also, in a couple of those stories that they're telling, there's a story within that story. So you're getting into like four levels of story. There's a point in Sandman where you're reading, and you are literally reading a story within a story within a story within a story. And it's absolutely genius. It's bonkers and a hell of a lot less confusing than I just made it sound. It's not very confusing at all. So, I'm telling you what. The Sandman, hands down. For years, I've been saying my favorite comic book character and favorite series overall, going by, you know... And here again, I'm not a connoisseur. I, a connoisseur. I have not read heaps and heaps and heaps of comic books. It's been a very small whittled down selection of stories and I based most of those decisions to pick those stories up and read them on reviews and stuff. These stories have been around since the 80s and 90s most of them so you know I was reading them when they were already two decades old or older but most of the stories are still relevant today and most of the stories just blow my mind at how it's like wow they were telling these stories back then and But, you know, this wasn't the regular DC line. This was the Vertigo line. It was their way around the Comics Code Authority so they could tell more adult tales and have more adult themes and more adult imagery that just was not for readers under the age of 17 or 18, I believe it was. So, before Sandman, I would say John Constantine is probably my favorite comic book character of all time because he's a real anti-hero and he's human and he's flawed. And he has a special knack for cheating death, which I feel like is a very important aspect to the whole idea of a superhero in a comic is cheating death. Well, John Constantine is like the master of that. So John Constantine is also a DC Vertigo title. By the way, 
Vertigo was no more after I think 2019 or 2020. They were restructuring it in like 2018, in the beginning of 2019, trying to give it one last push and then it just kind of collapsed. And so Vertigo is no more. And, you know, it's not that DC won't have any adult comic books. It's just that they will be marketed as DC Black or, you know, just say for mature readers on it. But I think as a whole, it 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 kind of sucks and hopefully they try to bring it back. I mean, they've tried to bring it back a few times and it fell. Maybe give it a half a decade or a decade and then bring it back, but it really sucks to know that the Vertigo label is no more. Although I do believe that anytime you go back and collect any of these stories that at one time were a Vertigo label, they'll still have the Vertigo label on like any comic art or anything. So the Sandman himself, Dream, is uh, he's basically like the god of dreams. I don't know if you'd call him a god because they even actually specifically talk about that in the comic that he is not a god. He's, he's actually much older than most gods. And so basically this dream guy is, think of him as he's just like omnipotent, omniscient. He can be everywhere at any time. He's, he basically travels through everyone's subconscious through the dreaming and you can think the dreaming is his realm and you can think of the dreaming as basically like every human being when they go to sleep they enter the dreaming they actually enter his realm so just imagine he, he's like the freddy he's like a freddy cougar in a sense but he's not because he's not scary per se he's not out to uh you know scare people he's you know he's just him and he's kind of got his own agenda but he also has his own duties he, he is one of the seven of the endless and the endless all have purposes they all fulfill some thing for instance dream has to manage everybody's dreams and death well she's the one who walks you over to the other side whenever you die and so that's two of the seven. I'm not going to go through the whole list of them. If you're interested already, I just suggest you look up the Sandman and look up the Endless and prepare yourself because it's official. The Sandman is getting a series and it is coming to Netflix. Now, I recently watched, well, not recently, it's been a while. When Lock and Key came out, I binged it. I watched the whole thing the first day and I, I already had my expectations set low because of the reviews I read. They said it diverged quite a bit from the comics so that it could attempt to be just a little bit more family-friendly, if you will. Not that it's trying to be full-on family-friendly, but it, I'm telling you, the comic of Lock and Key was very gory. And uh, amongst other things, had a lot of, you know, really heady subjects. And so Lock and Key, the Netflix edition, you know, I liked it. But I just really hope with the Sandman, they try to stay even more true to the comics. Because they could they could just easily go from issue one through issue 75. And I'm not saying that'd be, you know, one episode per issue, cover whatever, break it down. But I'm just saying, Sandman is so well written that they could definitely just perfectly copy it into a show and it, and it would do great. It would do great. With Lock and Key, they changed several key things in the overall arching narrative. That and and the things that have been changed already have been changed in such a way that you know they they're not like painted into a corner 
with the rest of the series going forward with lock and key, but they, but they definitely, from the way it looks, they have to keep going forward with the changes they've made and, and incorporate it in a way that makes sense. I, I just think that there were some things that they changed in this first season of lock and key, and I can kind of see why they did it. It seems to me like they kind of did it so that they could bring some elements of later story arcs into this first season to help make it more interesting. When the thing is, is the book was interesting as shit to begin with how it was and it didn't need the changes that they made. Uh, there, there was just no changes really that needed to be made to the overall narrative of Lock and Key. And they did. And it, and it just it boggles my mind. The only thing that makes sense is the series is going to be shorter than what it could have been. I can already tell that. They've already got some things wrapped up in this first season of Lock and Key that you wouldn't be touching on for a few for a couple of seasons yet if you were doing it more by the book. So I do feel like they're trying to overall shorten the entire story of Lock and Key and I'm thinking they can have this wrapped up in like 3 seasons. At the rate they're going and what all they've covered in the first season, I really truly believe they could have the, their whole version of Lock and Key wrapped up in three seasons. Four tops. For sure, four seasons tops. Whereas it would have been, I'm going to guess, roughly six seasons if you went by. There was like six volumes to the story, so six arcs, I believe. Like Not off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure there was like six and then maybe some issues. So it could have been six seasons, and it looks like they've got it to where they can play it out to three or four and still cover all the major beats. And that's cool, and also make it a little more kid-friendly along the way, which Netflix and kid-friendly, if you've been paying attention lately, is a really mixed bag, gray area, lines drawn in the sand. There's a lot of people pissed off with that whole cuties show, but whatever, whatever. And I, and I can see why, too. So... Uh, I mean, especially as a father of a 13-year-old girl, I can definitely see why. I mean, I do think it is bullshit. But am I going to cancel Netflix? I mean, probably not. Probably not at this point because there's shows that I do want to watch. Uh, but anyway, that, that that's a whole another thing. I can make a whole episode about Netflix and their weird agenda. Just to put it simply, it's like they just inject a lot of stuff into their shows a lot of substance if you will they like to plant a lot of seeds and ideas and not all of them i don't think all of them are uh you know good but uh, uh that's it guys i just uh this is more just a little little quick update that's where i uh, i've been i've been in the land of the dreaming the last few days i've been just kind of hitting it hard reading the sandman and uh digging into wikipedia and kind of looking into all the real world connections that's another really cool thing about the sandman is that it blends fiction with real historical figures with uh real lore and when i say real lore it's like not made up comic stories, but he Neil Gaiman is telling some stories in the Sandman that are actual stories that are really, really old that have you know real world cultural significance and real roots. Uh, you, you know, uh, just off the top, you know, for for instance, the issue 50 is called Ramadan and it uh, it's a little story about Ramadan, so yeah, just some really cool 
really cool storytelling going on in there. And I'll probably touch back up on it in a later episode, talking about my thoughts with, you know, going into these final two arcs, not really knowing anything about it other than I've heard they're pretty crazy. So I'm anxious to see where the story leads and concludes. But uh, that's all I got for now, guys. Uh, just a quick little catch up. This is uh, is what it is for you, guys. I'm going to be back. Uh, I don't know about tomorrow, but I'm hoping Thursday or Friday to drop another episode. Uh, if not, for sure this weekend. Probably have like some weird headlines and stuff. Touch up on anything interesting that's uh, going on in the world today. And I uh, hope everybody out there is enjoying their summer and, you know, preparing for fall. I hope everybody's uh, got their nuts saved up. Uh, you know, if you remember the, uh, the grasshopper and the ant, the tale about the grasshopper and the ant. And the ant was saving up his food and the grasshopper had to beg the ant for food in the middle of the winter because he, the grasshopper was just fucking off all summer and didn't save his nuts or his butt his bug food up for the winter you know that whole thing guys anyway talk to you later this is gillian seed 83 from the chromatic ribbon signing out until next time gill out